You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Andrew Speaker, diagnosed with XRDTB, caused an international health scare. What is the backstory? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. G. Richard Olds, Chairman of Medicine and Professor of Medicine at the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Dr. Olds' expertise includes travel health and illnesses acquired overseas. Dr. Olds, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Well, thank you. Give us a crash course in TB. Well, TB is an extremely common disease worldwide. It's uh, much less common in the United States, but uh, it's among you know the top 10 causes of death in the world, and close to one in three people in the world probably carry the TB organism in their body. So um, it's certainly an organism that we know well, and uh, of course it's uh, reached a new importance because uh, with co-infection with HIV, we now have a much larger percentage of those individuals that carry the organism actually develop clinical tuberculosis. Summarize the Andrew Speaker case. Well, I think part of the confusion in this case is you're talking about two somewhat different issues that happen to intersect on this particular patient. We clearly have the problems with tuberculosis, the growing problems with tuberculosis, the potential transmission of tuberculosis from person to person, uh, and how that relates to uh, air travel or international travel. And that's one issue. The second issue is that he happens to unfortunately be infected with a particularly difficult-to-treat organism. Uh, you know, the XRD organism. So because of that, that particular organism carries uh, unique problems should a patient acquire that organism because the standard drugs that we use to prevent somebody developing clinical tuberculosis or even treat tuberculosis is much more complicated. So I think the problem that people are having listening to this story is there's a lot of confusion over what are two separate types of issues all intersecting on one person. What does the X stand for in XRD? I don't know personally. I think it's just a designation for that particular strain. And what is the difference in the treatment between TB and the XRD TB? Well, by definition, this strain of tuberculosis is highly drug resistant. So most tuberculosis in the world, fortunately, is sensitive to the drugs that we use, but we have to use multiple drugs even with these sensitive strains because the organism is very prone to develop resistance on treatment. So obviously the treatment of tuberculosis has been going on since back in the 40s and 50s, and we discovered by using only one drug, the organism would become rapidly resistant to it. So the practice now is to treat this infection with three or four drugs at the same time, not only affecting the cure faster, but making it difficult for the organism growing inside that patient to develop resistance. So uh, generally, we treat patients with many drugs, even when it's sensitive. The problem with this particular strain of tuberculosis is that it is resistant to most of our frontline drugs so that the treatment is suboptimal. We still treat patients with lots of drugs, but the likelihood of cure is much lower, and we are doing more, I guess I'd call it experimental things, such as lung surgery and other things, which is experimental with these highly drug-resistant strains, but quite frankly is what we used to do for tuberculosis back in the 20s and 30s. What you know of his case, what's his likely prognosis? 
Uh, it's probably pretty good. You know, he does not have a lot of organisms. It doesn't sound like, from what I've heard superficially, I, I, I haven't seen the actual medical data. It looks like his the number of organisms in his body is relatively small. It's confined to one area of his lung. He looks like he'd be a very good candidate for partial lung resection, which is what National Jewish is famous for. And that, combined with the newer anti-tuberculosis drugs, I think gives him a very good chance of cure. Having said that, remember that many people getting standard treatment for drug-resistant TB with this organism, you know, maybe only a third of them would be cured. So it's better than that, I would say, but it's certainly not a 100% chance. Is it true that Mr. Speaker's culture was positive and the smear was negative? That's my understanding, and that's fairly common in tuberculosis. What that means is that the amount of organisms he was actually coughing up, that he was actually putting into the environment, were very small. Not zero, but very small. Small enough that they couldn't see it on the smears, but enough that it would grow. The culture technique is so much more sensitive than the looking for it under a microscope technique. How do you think he might have been infected? Uh, That's a real puzzlement. I don't know that anybody actually knows this. Uh, You know, I don't know anything about his background. We haven't had a chance to take a careful history, you know, to know uh, how he acquired tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is an uncommon disease in the United States. You know, he doesn't have an occupation that would put him, you know, with uh, a lot of patients that have not only tuberculosis, let alone highly drug-resistant tuberculosis. This is an uncommon strain in the United States. So I think that's a real mystery. Uh, That's all I can say. I think it's a real mystery. Very unusual to have a person like this uh, be infected with this particular strain of TB. Dr. Olds, is it true Mr. Speaker was diagnosed with TB when he was treated for a rib injury? Yeah, so my understanding is that the suspicion that he had tuberculosis in the first place and then ultimately what led to making the diagnosis Uh, if you will, an accidental finding. He was being treated for another condition, the the rib injury, and as a result of that, the chest x-ray showed an abnormality. They followed up on that abnormality, and that's where they figured it out. How many people are estimated to have undiagnosed TB? Well, in the United States, the number is not huge because we don't have a lot of tuberculosis. But in the whole world, there are literally, you know, millions, maybe, you know, tens of millions of people that have undiagnosed tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is a spectrum. Most people in the world that have tuberculosis have a very small number of organisms that are, if you will, are walled off inside their body, kept in check by the immune system. And there's nothing about them that is abnormal. The only reason we know that they're harboring the organism is that the skin tests or blood tests that we do uh, would be positive. And then there's a a group of people that harbor such a, if you will, a low-level or indolent infection that they don't feel that they're sick. Uh, But in fact, if we got a chest x-ray or for that matter, if the TB was in their kidneys or in some other organ, we would find abnormalities. And so even though they have the disease tuberculosis, they're without symptoms. And then, of course, most people with active clinical disease with tuberculosis have symptoms. Pulmonary symptoms are the most common, but they don't have to be pulmonary symptoms. They could just have a low-grade fever that has no obvious explanation. When he flew, did he put other travelers at risk? I I will have to sound like I'm couching my bets here. I think yes, the answer is yes, he put uh, travelers at risk. On the other hand, because his sputum was smear negative and only culture positive, that risk was quite small. Not zero, but quite small. So, you know, I think uh, the truth is it uh, lies somewhere between the outrage of him traveling with a highly drug-resistant TB 
and the idea that he, he wasn't of any risk to anyone. It's, it's a middle ground there. If a traveler did contract TB from Mr. Speaker, how would they be treated? That's part of the problem. You see, it's really the fact that he had highly drug-resistant TB that really made the, the story, if you will. If this person had had regular tuberculosis and uh, a person with regular tuberculosis was sputum negative, meaning when they coughed it up they didn't see it, even if it did grow, probably there wouldn't be much to this story because they would merely check contacts, and if any of those contacts were positive, they would treat them with INH. That's a drug that's often used for people who are recent converters. The difficulty that we have in this particular case is this particular isolate is resistant to many of those drugs. So exactly what we would do with patients uh, who are contacts with Mr. Speaker and turned positive is now the subject of some debate. Would you wait and see if they actually developed clinical tuberculosis and then only treat them then? Would you give them a drug to try to uh, treat uh, this uh, incubating infection? That latter thought would be very tough because none of the drugs that we traditionally use in that setting would work on this organism. So uh, I don't know what the CDC would do. Fortunately, I think it's unlikely that anybody converted, but if they did, we wouldn't know exactly what to do. We certainly would follow them carefully to make sure they didn't develop clinical disease. Did this case warrant an international health scare? No, I think that the, uh, that the truth is is that this is a case that the public health officials should have dealt with. They should have done something about it, and uh, they should be taking all the active steps that they're doing. I have actually no complaints about what the CDC is doing and what the health officials are. I think my problem is the involvement now of the media, this sort of media and political circus all surrounding uh, uh, this case, I think is, one, not helpful, and two, what it's doing is it's uh, creating a great deal of confusion, I think, uh, in the general population. How do you respond to the comments of the congressman who called Andrew Speaker a walking biological weapon? Well, you know, that's the typical kind of irresponsible comment that we've just got to stop. I don't deny that uh, Mr. Speaker did something he shouldn't have done. I'm not happy that he did what he did. I think that this is of some concern. Uh, certainly, he did expose other individuals to a potentially very deadly germ, a very difficult-to-treat germ, and, and that was an irresponsible thing to, for him to do. I'm not trying to excuse uh, Mr. Speaker. On the other hand, I think calling him a walking biological weapon is clearly hyperbole, and I don't think that's either helpful to the situation or an accurate depiction of this situation. Let's turn back the hands of time to when Andrew Speaker was first diagnosed. How would you have handled this case? Well, remember a little. I don't have all the details, but remember one of the difficulties here is that the information comes out in a rolling fashion. I think a lot of people think that doctors know everything all at once. They don't. Probably the diagnosis of tuberculosis was suspected but not known. Then the first thing they knew is that the tuberculosis organism was growing, so they knew that he had TB, but they weren't absolutely certain it was the strain of mycobacteria that causes human infection. They could have fairly quickly determined it was tuberculosis, but they wouldn't have known that it was highly drug-resistant tuberculosis for several more days. So what's happening is the information is coming out sequentially, and therefore what you might tell a patient at the beginning when you only have half the information is going to be very different than what you might 
tell the patient three or four days later when you have all the information. So I imagine that the information about Mr. Speaker came out sequentially over a period of as long as a week. What are the lessons learned from this case? Well, I think that we need a much stronger public health system than we do. You know, for a country that spends as much on health care as we do, it's just amazing to me how rudimentary our public health systems are in the United States. Recognize that I spend a lot of my time working in third world countries, which spend just a minuscule amount that we do. But they have pretty good public health systems because they're very cost effective. They're important to deal with, you know, contagious and transmissible diseases. And we need to invest more in public health. We need to strengthen the CDC. We need to make sure that our rules and regulations that deal with, you know, communicable diseases are upgraded. And uh, and so I think more investment in those areas is warranted. I think we have to invest more in research in treating diseases like tuberculosis because we're going to have to deal with this in the future. This is this is going to get worse, not better, in the future. We're going to have more drug-resistant TB in the world because there's nothing that happens on this planet that won't come back and eventually affect us here. Infectious diseases do not respect international borders, and so what's happening in Africa today will be a health problem for us, and we better deal with it now. That would be my message, uh, I think, uh, from this case. Dr. Olds, thank you for joining us today. Well, you're welcome. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.